Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is your host brian wayne here and uh, i'm here to let you know in case you did not know already uh that the cheers to comics podcast has since evolved and uh, if you're looking for a new shiny place to get your comic books from then you need to head on over to shop cheers to comics.com it's like cheers to comics.com only with the shop in front of it uh shop cheers to comics.com and if you use code podcast at checkout you're going to save yourself 10 percent and i'm constantly adding new inventory hot spec books uh everything everything any any type of book under the sun is it uh as it, as it comes under my radar and it gets added into the inventory, I, I make it available to you. So remember, head on over to shopcheerstocomics.com and use code PODCAST at checkout and save yourself 10%. A pre-roll time. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly sponsored by Inked Marketing Solutions and the Inked Marketing Crowdfunded comic for this episode. Well, it's going to belong to The Last Night of Twilight. Coming soon from the producer of Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, and the new Batman Superman Adventures. Yes, the man is uh, a legend in animation. Pinky and the Brain sold right there. The Last Night of Twilight. What happens when you're broke, but your endless war against crime isn't over? The Last Night of Twilight is a story about an everyday superhero. He has no powers. He has no thirst for justice. But now his body is starting to portray him. But he just can't stop. <sighs> Even a personal injury suit and losing all of his cool stuff won't stop him. His sidekick turning bad? That ain't gonna stop him. His or former adversaries returning or retiring, not returning, retiring, that ain't gonna stop him, but age, age is a son of a bitch, age is gonna, uh, might stop him, it might, I don't know, uh, we have a comic book here, people, uh, like I said, it, it, the, 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 the team behind this, mm, mm, I can't wait to see, oh, I'm looking at this cover here, man, you got this, this pretty dark hooded looking figure, and you got like an, uh, like a walker, like an old man walker, not a walker Texas ranger, like a, like a, like a tennis ball on the feet type of walker. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I'm into it. So uh, head on over to www.twinight.com. That's T-W-I-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. And uh, get in on this, man. I got a good feeling. And like I said, pinky in the brain. Come on. Come on. Age of Radio.
Well, hello again and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 362. The 362nd episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast will be a creator corner. And, uh, oh, the creator that I have cornered on this year episode. Well, she's a badass. Uh, she's breaking ground in the uh, Cheers to Comics podcast way by being the first ever ongoing DC creator. That have been able to snag on this. I've had plenty of mini series creators from DC and past creators that have done amazing things with DC, but as far as getting a creator working on an ongoing DC book, it's taken almost three years to do that. Well, who is it, Brian? I didn't look to bother at the name of the episode at all. Uh, Stephanie Phillips, people. Stephanie Phillips. She's doing Harley Quinn. She's done uh, badass stuff like uh, a man among me from Image Comics, which is currently ongoing now. I mean, she's she's just a beast in the game and a fresh face uh, on top of it. Also, we 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 gotta love this. Uh, <laughs> gotta love a creator of this caliber. I know I was very very excited to make this happen. So and so so excited, in fact, that I. Uh, might have even kind of made an ass of myself to old Stephanie Phillips. Let's see if you could figure out where it happens. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I get ahead of myself. I get excited. and um, Yeah, you know. You'll just have to see. You'll have to see. Um, but before before uh, we get all into that, I got a shout-out from the rooftops, one of my favorite places on planet Earth to get comics. 307nerdsforever.com, uh, the newest affiliate of the Cheers to Comics podcast. Uh, yeah, man, 307nerdsforever.com. When you're checking out 307nerdsforever.com, use code CHEERS and save yourself 10%. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, be prepared. Be prepared for amazing customer service, um, an incredible incredible array of books placed way under fair market value as far as that modern hotness um oh yeah people it's like that i get good stuff all the time it's 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 kind of my honey hole in a way and here i am just giving it away to you but use code cheers and uh it makes it even better for you save 10 percent. so 307 nerds for the number four ever.com 307 nerds forever.com now, um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna stall you anymore, people. I, uh, I've got an amazing conversation with the one and only Stephanie Phillips. All right, Stephanie, how are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, this is, uh, this is my pleasure. I gotta say, you're, uh, you're, you're you're breaking ground on this podcast. I've done over a hundred of these now, and somehow I, I have yet to manage to snag a DC ongoing writer. And um, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> here you are uh, writing stuff that uh, I'm I'm enjoying thoroughly with Harley Quinn and amongst other things. That was by far the thing that put you on my radar, though. I, I got to say it was Butcher of Paris for me. I'm a <laughs> massive fan of that book. I I, I love true. Okay stories like that but and i'm gonna get into all of that i just gotta say i'm i'm so impressed with everything you've done in such a a, a short amount of time uh in, in this industry and oh here we are on the podcast <laughs> talking with stephanie phillips this is awesome 
Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And uh, I really appreciate that. It's, um, you know, I'm really fortunate to get to work on all those titles. So I'm glad you're enjoying them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, so I, but before we get into all the amazing stuff that you're doing now, I, I like to know, and as well as the listener, you know, I like to know the origin story of the people that create the things that, you know, uh, we, we all love and enjoy. So, I mean, I have to start with just the most basic of questions, but when did comics become a, a, a part of your life? Were you a late bloomer or were you somebody that always enjoyed comics or where did that play a part? I always enjoyed comics. Uh, the animated series, Batman, the animated series was really like my gateway into comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with that in the 90s and just like was obsessed with it. So um, it, it definitely led to like seeking out other Batman stuff. You know, I think it was like realizing that you could go get comics and just like read more Batman all the time was really cool. It discovery. wasn't just that 30 <laughs> minutes after school. I mean, there was right, there was right. more. There was more. Yes. No, I love yeah, that. It was a super cool discovery. Um, you know, I think for a long time, I was really just like, oh, my God, the cover art for this is really cool. I'm going to get this because I was a kid. And Um, You know, I didn't really know anyone that read comics, so um, I was just grabbing things that I thought was cool. Um, I think the first thing that I owned, like, all together was The Long Halloween. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the first thing I owned, like, all of as a set and, like, realized that I was reading, like, you know, a complete story and not just picking up issues I thought looked cool. So, um, and then... I don't know, I think around high school, I probably started branching out to other stuff, more um, Marvel titles. And then um, I don't think I started reading indie stuff until a lot later. Like that is, that's definitely something that I didn't really come to until probably more college age, like realizing that there was more than DC and Marvel. Right, right. Um, and I, I, I remember finding out, you know, the, or diving into the indie world myself and just how important that was uh, to, to actually, you know, realize that comics are so much more than spandex and superpowers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I love my superheroes, but I, for me, it was finding Chu. When I found Chu, I realized that there was so much more to to, to, to comics in general. Do you remember the, yeah. the book, the, the, the indie series or title mm-hmm. or whatever it may be that made you realize, okay, this is, this is a whole different type of thing? um i don't know that i remember like the first one i do remember like saga hit me really hard Ah, like when that first came out i was just like whoa (laughs) like you know there's some themes in here that like you know are similar to things that we've seen in like shakespeare it started to become this really cool thing to start like analyzing and really um like diving into the characters i mean obviously i love the artwork fiona staples is amazing um so Mm. i think that was one of those things that just um you know following that became something that i was super excited to go get every time it came out yeah no uh, saga really is just one of those titles too because i remember i uh, I introduced my fiance to saga and she just burned through all of the omnibuses i mean i've I've never seen anybody go through 52 comics that hasn't (laughs) read comics in years so fast right she's like i want more like this i was like good luck there's this is this is different there's nothing like this i mean not not in comics Uh, right uh, yeah, it really is amazing what what just the independent branch of what what used to just be. I mean, like I said, just Superman and Batman and uh, Spider Man, and I don't know. It's uh it, it really is a beautiful thing. But beyond you know creating 
uh, individual characters, uh, you know, and unique characters in their own universe. You know, you I, I, I love what you did with Butcher of Paris. I mean, you, you took what's already a known story. It's a piece of history. And, you know, you 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 turned it into a five issue miniseries. And, you know, it's I, I was reading it and I'm, I'm thinking like there's no action in this. How is this? This is a comic book with no action. But yet I can't wait to get to the next page. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's. Yeah. It, it takes a special type of writer to be able to do something like that. Cause sure. Someone could do a Jack the Ripper title and you know, you could see all types of stuff, but it, it, it the, the energy doesn't really ramp up until the end, but you're perfectly fine with the ride along the way. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I was a massive fan of how you were able to, uh, <laughs> to piece that all together. So, so Thank brilliantly. You. Um, it's, I guess that it's just more Testament to, uh, uh, all the all the different um, levels of uh, comics that you you've already played with. I mean, it's it's insane. I, I, I can't believe this. <laughs> this is such a. I mean, how, so when did? Well, let's. Let me, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself now. Let me uh, back up to where uh, breaking into comics. You know, at what point did you realize this is what I want to do? You know, I, or, or was it comics that you originally started wanting to writing or, or wanted to write? Or I see that. I mean, you went to, you're, you're an English major, it looks like. Um, yeah, I have a PhD in rhetoric and composition. Um, so I, I did my master's in English, uh, PhD in rhetoric and composition. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it was like while working on the PhD that just, you know, I don't think I'd ever considered a career path other than tenured professor. Like, you know, that's kind of um, when you're in the midst of it, just kind of like what they sell you as, uh, this is this is the the job like this is the track and the trajectory and this is where you go and you get this kind of job and um, yeah I think it hit a point where I was just like well I haven't really considered anything else and I I really prefer being more creative so there were things that I was really trying to do in like my academic publications uh, you know giving things to like science communication journals and they would just be like um this whole weird thing you did with the intro needs to come out and i'm like well that's the best part of the whole thing like that's uh. what makes the piece unique and you know they don't but they they weren't looking for that they were looking for a format fit the format sound like everybody else and uh you know i can do that i've published multiple academic publications but i wasn't really interested in doing just that um, so I basically just started to think about like what other career opportunities or what, what kinds of things I actually wanted to do if it wasn't being a tenured professor. Um, I suddenly was like, oh, I'm having like a bit of a crisis. Like I've been in grad school forever. I'm almost done with my PhD. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't really consider that I didn't want to do a PhD and an academic position, um, and, uh, you know, I just looked at things that I love. I love video games. I love comic books. And I tried to start to think about, like, what are careers that put me around these things that I just really, really love, things that excite me. And um, started kind of making some friends in the comic book industry. And uh, a few people were kind of just like, uh, why aren't you writing comics? Like, if you like it, mm -hmm. you know, if, um, I have other publications, I've been an editor and I've done these things, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know that that really translates necessarily into making comics, but 
I thought if nothing else, it would be fun to just make like one comic and do something kind of like creative for myself while I'm finishing the degree. And um, that comic was Devil Within that was published by Black Mask. So that was um, and, that was your breakthrough comic then. Wow. Yeah, it was the the first comic I worked on. Um, was published by Black Mask. Got picked up, and uh, from there, I think the series wasn't even all the way out before I started having meetings with like AfterShock, and um, AfterShock really became like a really cool place. I think to just like learn comics and like learn scripting and like work with someone like Mike Martz, who's been in the industry for a while and um, like learn from him as well. And, you know, I would say like from Descendant, which was my first title to them with them to something like Nuclear Family, which was my most recent title with them. Like, I feel like a different writer. <laughs> like, I feel like I grew a lot between those two titles. And um, yeah, I'm like really grateful that Aftershock gave that opportunity to, to work on multiple projects with them and kind of keep keep kind of growing as a writer because um, these kind of scripts and working in this medium it's really specific like learning to work with the right the uh, artists and be really collaborative with everyone else on the team as well I love hearing that I love hearing how Aftershock has elevated you as a uh, as a writer because I've been noticing that Aftershock is elevating um, just an all levels. I mean, they they are skyrocketing uh, as far as just, uh, notoriety with with the books that they've been putting out lately. I mean, they there is just home run after home run. Uh, they they can't miss it seems. And to know that um, throughout that, I mean, they're, they're they're also interested in. I mean, they're, they're developing their writers as well. And I, I don't know. It's just I I really have my eye on aftershock and have been because I've been noticing just like giant leaps and moves here in like the last. I don't know, 12 to 18 months. And to, to hear, I, that's the first I've heard of that, of how, you know, I'm working for Aftershock for this long. I've, I've grown this much and I noticed this significant of, of a development. I mean, that's a, that says a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm them and scout. They're another one that uh, yeah. they, they, they do things that just no one else is really doing and they're leveling up their creators and they're allowing them to do things. And, I don't know. It's uh, I, I love the indie comics world. And uh, I don't know. I just I haven't got around to reading Nuclear Family yet. I, I'm, I'm actually waiting for the trade on that, because for whatever reason, I I missed it on my FOCs and I have a hard time getting back issues. Um, when it, is there a trade due on that? Yeah, I think it comes out in November, but I can't awesome. remember exactly which day. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's going to be something when I do my Polis Priorities episodes and I go over the FOCs and everything. That's definitely a trade that. I'm gonna have my eye on for sure because it's uh, I, I've I've heard amazing things, and I'm I'm so bummed that that missed my pull list. But I, I have just about everything else you've done. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, I'm Harley Quinn is on my list. Uh, I, I mean everything. A Butcher of Paris, like I said, that was that was a five issue run that I just oh um I, I actually uh, I I've got a friend. He's a, a huge into true crime like he's one of the biggest true crime uh memorabilia collectors in the world i don't know his it's ridiculous what he knows about murder it's almost scary but um <laughs> when, when this book came out he, he was so gung-ho like man i want to come on and talk to you about this because it's like this and this way and uh i mean it, unfortunately there were some health issues and everything and timing didn't work out but i mean he just how he 
how excited he was somebody that he just knows everything about this stuff how excited he was about this book made me just be that much more interested in it and i wish i could say i were a history buff i wish i could say that i'm just, <laughs> uh I, I i admire it damn do i admire it but i just i have a hard time retaining that information but I, apparently when it's done through comic books man i could tell you all about the butcher of paris now like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like this is <laughs> this is amazing um but i, I don't know I, I like i guess i guess i'm staring off track we were talking about you know breaking into comics and all of that and um aftershock uh uh you know essentially leveling you up um so i, I want to talk about you know it's kind of you as a creator starting to to gain this notoriety you know before the dc comes in and snatches you up and realize their next uh their next cash cow um yeah i mean you're you're i'm trying to imagine being in a position to where you're 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 on this track this 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 career path and then it just it's a total u-turn because you realize that you're not going to allow to be able to be creative and a creative mind being stifled is just i don't know i i think that's uh, it's blasphemous um but you realize this and then you find these creators so you, well i mean I, I can i ask you know who who your comic friends were that uh that kind of got you into this i mean because it, it, it's kind of hard i mean i don't know how you just run into comic book friends without being into comics that's there's not a million of us out there <laughs> like it seems yeah. i mean i worked for um a company that was like they kind of sell like cgc comics or like collected items and stuff like that okay. so they would go set up at conventions and um I decided that like it would be a fun way to just go like be around the kind of things I liked and then I would That's like awesome. I, I don't know figure out something I wanted to do for work that wasn't becoming a tenured professor um, and so I went to a convention and they the, the company I worked with uh, had been like longtime friends with people like Dan Jurgens and Ron Mars and that group okay. um, and so yeah those are some of the guys that were just like you know uh, have you ever considered writing comics? You know, you should start working on a script and find an artist. And um, I connected with uh, Manhouse online, who drew um, Devil oh, yeah. with me. Manhouse, I didn't. Oh man, I, I didn't put that together. He's nominated for uh, Ringo this year for best cover artist. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I I didn't realize. He drew devil with then Jesus. Uh, it's, it really is a, a small community. Um, and, uh, see, I, I love hearing that when Dan Jurgen says, have you thought about writing comics? I mean, he obviously sees something there. I mean, cause I'm a, I'm a massive fan of everything Dan's done. So I, I don't know. I just, this is such a fun story to hear. I mean, be, I couldn't imagine. It's just so different being a tenured professor. And now what I, uh, what I find uh, unbelievably hilariously ironic is that you're, uh, an english major with a phd writing a character uh, and then your 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 origin of comics comes from batman the animated series where one harley quinn was spawned now you're writing harley quinn a character with a phd that butchers the english language um regularly so I mean, it's just funny how the universe works out like that i it's i i love that type of irony um but uh i i don't know it's Ah, I, so you're 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 killing it as a uh, uh, as an indie creator. Aftershock is 
You know, you're, you're, you're working for Aftershock. You put out The Butcher of Paris. Dark Horse now has you. Um, when does the call from DC come in? Um, I don't know the exact, like, timeline. Um, I don't remember what I was working on at the time, but I, I know that it was Butcher of Paris. That was something that um, an editor at DC had been reading and was kind of interested in talking with me, and we met at a convention, um, and it came up that uh, I used to be a fighter, a Muay Thai fighter, and you know, I've been oh. in the ring quite a bit, and um, I've had a lot of amateur fights. And uh, so they started talking that maybe Ted Grant was kind of a cool character for me to take on in a short story in one of the anthologies. And um, that's how the Valentine's Day Wildcat story came about, which was actually the first thing I worked on with Riley Rosmo, which was pretty cool. So um, getting to work on my first DC title with Wildcat, which is a character I just absolutely adore and working with Riley and getting to really know him, like Riley and I just really clicked as creators. Um, you know, I think he, he really enjoyed the script and reached out to me and we ended up having just like a conversation with each other about um, just, you know, comics we wanted to work on or the ways that we liked to co collaborate and work. Uh, and uh, I think it was like just a really good conversation, a really good fit. And uh, from there, we just kind of started working on pitching other things. We were actually working on something completely different when we got the call for Harley. Um, so maybe one day in the future, Riley and I will be able to put the other thing out into the world. But um, awesome. for, yeah, it was it was really cool. Like, um, you know, that thing hadn't been greenlit yet. It was just kind of like a pitch, something that we, we were kind of working on together. And um, yeah, I was asked to be on Harley. And it was funny because like the day um, I think it was like the day before I was asked to be on Harley, Riley showed me some some drawings he had done of Harley just for fun. And he was like, oh, I just drew these up. I thought it was neat. You know, I would absolutely love to be on a Harley book. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Like they asked me to be on Harley one day and the very next day Riley was on the book with me. And I was like, this is this is awesome. This is like a really good fit. Um, you know, I, I think knowing that we work so well together, it's going to make the entire experience really, really good, um, which it absolutely has been. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, what you did the, what, well, we're on six issues now of Harley out, right? You did yes, the first issue. five with Riley? Yep. Uh, issue seven comes out next week. And then there were two fierce dates before that. And the new roots, uh, short story with Laura Braga, um, after that. Yeah, no, this uh, Laura Braga, I mean, she she murdered it as well on this last issue. of. <laughs> yeah, she's very uh, good. Oh, my God. Jeez. Uh, she's a hundred percent on my uh, on my radar now. I mean, Riley's always been on my radar. I, I, I have to ask. I mean, you say you're close with Riley. You hung out. Is he half as fun as his drawing style is? <laughs> because he, he i mean he looks like he would be the funnest guy to just have a drink with i mean just based off of how he draws harley and martian manhunter and i don't know all the crazy shit that he's drawn it's just he looks uh like a lot of fun <laughs> yeah absolutely no he's he's incredibly creative and i think that's part of the fun of having him on a title like harley quinn where we can like really think in unique ways and um you know i like I like having long conversations with him about like the arcs and where we're headed um, and, you know, characters we're creating and getting his take on things. It's really good to have somebody that has such a cool 
perspective on storytelling um, so that, you know, if I send him a script or something and I'm like, hey, I'm just not sure about the way that this scene is unfolding. Like, can we talk about it? Like, I, I really uh, value the input that he brings to that. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to get to have a creative partner that can bring something so unique to the table and also just be like uh, a really strong storyteller as well. So like sometimes, you know, pages I write will just be five million times better than I ever expected because it's, it's a page that has a layout that I, I would bet money nobody has ever made a layout like this before. It's just so original and unique. Yeah, no, there, there's there's really something special to the way that Riley draws. Like he 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 tells a story in his own way, uh, just w- mm-hmm. with his lines. It's it, it's it's amazing, and I, I, it really is. It's it, the way you two work together. I, I mean, the art feels synonymous with the way you script Harley and the positions that you put her in, and I mean, even the characters that you create. Uh, Kevin, Kevin feels like that's what kevin would really look like with the the giant (laughs) jaw and uh, i mean like i i I, but that's because of how you write him as well like it's it's the personalities between the two of you match so well with the personalities that of the characters that you guys are developing and creating and it's i don't know it it really is a beautiful thing i this is a (laughs) this is a series that i i mean the last uh run of harley went 75 issues i could see this going quite a distance as well like this is just uh i I do want to talk about creating characters though because creating characters within dc canon i mean how stressful is that let's let's just start with that i haven't got to ask this question yet i've talked to marvel creators and things like that but uh creating i mean within dc because it's a whole different fan base sometimes sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, when you come up with keepsake and Kevin, what, what, what are you, uh, I, I don't want to say what are your plans with them, but what, what, what are you thinking with, with, with these characters? I don't know if that question makes any sense, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's, uh, that stressful. It's just, um, you know, I think DC is really good about things like offering equity and characters and things like that, that we've created. And that's awesome from like a business point of view. Um, but it's also something that I feel like editors have been really supportive of. Um, I'm interested in not overshadowing characters that have been in Gotham a long time. Mm-hmm. So like, I love these characters like Hugo and, you know, there's something about the longevity that Hugo has in Batman, Batman comics that was really interesting to bring him into a brand new Harley ongoing that has some new characters in it. So new faces plus somebody that has been around Gotham for a very long time. Oh, yes. And that was that was something that we wanted to do pretty intentionally. Um, I also just really like Hugo and I liked the idea of having somebody that would help us right away solidify that, you know, in, in our story moving forward, something that's super important for her is, um, is being intelligent and using her humor in a really weaponized kind of way. And I think Hugo really allowed her to do that while spinning out of Hugo. We have someone like keepsake, Mm-hmm. It's a very different character, <laughs> and um, I think a little bit of a goofier villain compared to Hugo. Um, and you know where we're headed, we're going to have some more serious villains. So uh, I wanted Keepsake to also offer just kind of like a foil as Harley's getting situated in Gotham, and then um, you know the people that we are going to roll out with soon are um, going to be taking that welcome mat away pretty fast. So. <laughs> ah, all right, all right. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. If, you know, Keepsake is just kind of 
the the setup to to what I mean, what's to to come. I mean, it, it's it says a lot for what you guys have mapped out. I mean, I'd, uh, I I I love the expansion of the DC universe with all these new characters um, over the last couple of years. I mean, I know people are one way or another about it you know there's, there's too many of them happening but at the other time they're, they're the same ones complaining that oh you keep telling the same stories well you need new people so here we are and I, i'm loving the people that you're creating even somebody as simple as kevin i think he's he feels like he's going to be such an important character in the harley quinn mythos going forward mm -hmm. just like seeing what she's already willing to put herself through um with this guy and i don't know i, I just my, my mind is going a million miles an hour thinking of you know just the potential for just like i said a, a kevin you know <laughs> right. uh, it's it's i don't know i mean i i i i want to see these characters live on and i mean even if um keepsake is just kind of like you said a foil you know just a, 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 i don't know if a, a goof would be the right word i don't know if i haven't actually got to experience that part yet i mean i saw his character design i was like all right this guy's this guy's fun but uh you know i mean i haven't really got to see him interact a whole lot other than you know don't well i him telling hugo you know what his name was or so whatever it was but um i don't know i just even then the 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 reveal of him and seeing all the the the, the goofy things hanging off of him i mean just the name keepsake it makes me i don't know i get like a collector type of vibe i don't know there's just a lot going on with with, with the way i'm analyzing these things but it's all excitement you know i'm just i'm so excited to see where it goes forward and um i don't know it's what, what you're doing with harley on an ongoing it's it's a big deal. It really is because I mean, ah, the, the the fan base. I mean, I'm sure I don't need to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're really awesome, and that's one of the I think best parts of, of working on Harley is having such a dedicated, devoted fan base to something like Harley and the books that we're working on, and getting to interact with them, and also just like be excited about Harley with them is a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, I, I have to ask just out of pure fandom, if you had the choice to write, because well, I mean, we, we, we see both or uh, multiples. I don't want to say both sides, several sides of Harley now, because she's definitely not a black and white character. But if you I mean, uh, but she leans more on the side of good now. I mean, being a part of the Bat family, obviously, but she's also been a, an absolute bitch, too, in the past mm -hmm. being next to the Joker. If you had the choice to, I mean, to write the evil version of harley or the good version of harley which one do you prefer which one do you think would be more fun to write um well honestly i don't i don't think that's a very fair word to use for harley um she is a character that was given to us through an abusive relationship that is very and true so i don't think that that's a very fair or a uh, good title for for anyone but um yeah, I, I like the version that we're writing. I think it makes her a further complicated character. It adds, I think, emotional vulnerability to her as a character. Yes. Um, and that's something that I've been really interested in exploring. I, I, I totally get it. And I, I, I mean, I obviously, I mean, no offense by that, just but like the, the, way, the way she thinks, like she's uh, I, I, evil, I guess. And even then, like, hmm, evil, evil like, uh, isn't even the right word for her, but on the wrong side let's put it that way um uh, but i i i i'm kind of with you though uh, as far as her her being a part of the bat family now i think she's just she, she there's so many more layers to her now i think she has so much more potential she's 
I don't know. She's more fun. You know, I, I always I always looked at her as the, the, the fun one, you know, next to the Joker. You know, that was always the, the dynamic that interested me the most in the, the animated series was when Harley Quinn popped up because it was like I said, she just brought it to another level of demented. I guess that's really the word I was more looking for was demented. Um, but uh, now with, you know, she's she's obviously she's <laughs> she's got Batman on her side and she has uh, morals and standards and everything. She's very anti Joker at this point. So I don't know. I, I, I really am enjoying the fact that um, you decided to take the route of continuing to, to develop her as more of a I don't even I mean, I don't even know if you can consider an anti hero anymore. She's almost a full blown hero at this point. I mean, as the as the writer for I mean, what would you classify Harley as? I think it's a little difficult. Like she she has been an anti-hero in the past. I think right now she doesn't want to be an anti-hero. She wants to be something more, but uh, it's about whether Gotham is going to be accepting of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, you know, for for someone that has been a villain in the past and has done things that have harmed Gotham and other people. Um, I mean, there are some dark storylines with Harley and those things, uh, even though officially wiped clean by the suicide squad. I mean, I think it's, it's important for Harley to not completely forget those things. And the problem that she's having in Gotham is just because she exists. I think people are thinking like, how can she just be like, Oh, I didn't do all these horrible things. And I don't think it's about that. I don't think Harley forgives herself. I don't think she fully expects everybody to forgive herself. And that's definitely a lesson she's going to learn throughout this story as well, is that not everybody is going to accept your apology. And that's something that, you know, you have to live with, like, that's real life. You can say sorry, and not everybody is going to just move on from that. Like our opening scene with Killer Croc, um, where she apologizes, even makes a cake, and things don't go the way that Harley anticipated in her head, which um, has been a really important theme for our story of kind of showing at points, like what's in Harley's head versus the reality of the situation. And um, that's a really cool thing that I think Riley is super good at, like showing the imagined version of the world that Harley sees or like overlaying uh, past scenes on top of what Harley's looking at, kind of like sheer images of some kind so that we can kind of see like, oh, this is what's going on in Harley's mind. And it does not fit with the reality of what the reader is seeing. And um, I think those moments are really interesting. So as much as she may be wants to be a hero I think there's also a part of her that isn't allowing herself to be called that just yet because Mm -hmm. uh being a hero is really complicated and uh Harley is learning that in our series yeah no and um you you definitely you you get that sense of that development too and I mean uh, there's even even the little things like you know you, you start okay well no she's turning good she's turning good you know maybe she's not so crazy anymore and then um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite panels uh, throughout this entire series is when she's talking to Batman, and Oracle comes in on the headset, and she's like, "Who are you talking to? You got voices in your head too." I mean, beyond that, just being funny, um, it, it's a reminder that yeah, no, she's not cured. Like she still has clear issues going on in her head, and you know, she's got some developing to do. And I don't know, there's there's just so many layers to this character that you've been um, unpeeling. Just tremendously well i mean it's i I don't know i'm i've always been a harley character but or a harley fan but i haven't always been 
a Harley reader, if that makes sense. You know, I'm kind of in and out. I read Harley when there's a cool story arc coming. But this is, I mean, I'm 100% drawn into how invested you, at least it seems like as a reader, you are as a creator into uh, uh, developing this this beloved character. So, I mean, I'd, I I just got to say great job again, because I mean, I'm, I'm not at cons. People aren't at cons right now to <laughs> tell you a great job. Are you doing conventions right now? Um, I'm doing a couple, um, ones that require vaccination. Um, mm-hmm. so I did Rose city and I'm doing New York comic-con coming up, uh, next month. Gotcha. Right on. Well, I, I would imagine the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Rose city was, uh, was gnarly for it. Was that your first con back? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I can imagine how, uh, <laughs> how insane that was for you. Um, but in New York, I mean, they're going to be lined out at the door to thank you as, as Harley fans, because you're just, Oh man, you're you're really taking this character to another level, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, I I, I love the uh, the one dynamic that you're you're really playing well, and um, uh, throughout the uh, what was it? Not Fear State, but the the one before the the, the, oh, the Joker War. Or, uh, no, I'm thinking of the the Joker War outcome. Um, okay. the, uh, how you know even Kevin now he's a former clown, like it's the the clown. Uh, it's, it's, it's derogatory term and all of that. Like the way you're using that, uh, is just this, this, um, negative label that has to be fought. You know, I'm not a clown. I'm not a part of that. We're, we're separated from that now. I mean, it's just uh, that in itself, like there's this layer of emotion behind it. And I don't know, man, it's, there's just so much to what you're doing. (laughs) It's no wonder that you catapulted yourself into the dc ranks so early in your writing career it's there's no wonder i mean they they they, they know what they have here it's amazing oh, um, thank you i appreciate that well <laughs> um we we can uh, i guess we can continue on from harley now because you you you've, you're doing more than that. i i do want to talk a little bit more about butcher of paris though um uh, i uh, you you did you study history at all while you're you're going through and getting your PhD? Or I mean, what, what where did this this love come from for you to take this particular moment in time and say this is this is what I want to do? Because I mean, there's just so many different. As a history buff, there's a billion different things you could do, and even as a a true crime fan, there's a billion different things you could do. What what brought you to do this story? Um, I don't actually typically like true crime or at least the way it's portrayed. I feel like it's really sensational and, Uh um, you know, I, I see, like, I, I saw somebody recently who had like tattoos of, of people like Ted Bundy and it was just like, uh, I don't know. They were kind of like laughing about serial killers. And in my mind, all I can think is like, what if you walk by somebody who is, um, I don't know, like descendant of somebody that was killed by one of these people a victim their family and you've immortalized this person because you you think like you know trading cards of these killers it's like a fun thing um i think there is some good that maybe comes from true crime in terms of just like um you know for women tips and information to like know what you should be aware of like you know checking your car when you come back to it or um you know parking in well-lit places around other people like things that you should be conscientious of um at all times like i think those things are good things uh 
But I was pretty hesitant to do a story because I didn't want to sensationalize this killer um, who's, uh, they think, killed anywhere from uh, like 60 to 200 people, which is a really, really wide range. Yeah, that's like saying it's going to snow or it's going to be 100 degrees today. Like It's a a pretty big disparity. Um, yeah. But the vast majority of the people that he killed were were um, Jewish people trying to flee the city during the Nazi occupation. Um, there were so many people being taken away on a daily basis that getting out of the city, it was really important. And this is somebody that saw an opportunity and I don't necessarily think was like on the side of the Nazis. I think he was just absolutely insane and wanted to kill people and saw an easy way of doing that. And um, yeah, we wanted it to be a book that was far more about the situation, like about this moment in history that led to this happening, where you have a city that's actually full of serial killers, um, because I'm going to go ahead and call Nazis serial killers. And mm, Well, no, um, I mean, you even did in the uh, um, at the end uh, in the, the, the article that you wrote. I mean, I was even glued to that on. I mean, and I. I understand. I mean, what the the end of that, the, the, your little wrap up there. I mean, it it says it really does answer the question as to why you wrote this book for sure. But I mean, to reiterate the fact, I mean, yes, Nazis are one hundred percent serial killers, and you, you, you reiterate that in the uh, the article at the end too. I mean, I I guess I'm just saying. I <laughs> I, I even read the article, and it it, it really just sunk me in after that first issue even more into the next four uh knowing what you're actually trying to get across there but for those of you that didn't i'll let or that didn't read that article in the first issue i mean i'll let you uh i'll let you continue but yeah no go go ahead uh i'm sorry to interrupt there i'm very excited to hear this <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah i i um I I mean, that's, I think, why I came to the story, just um, wanting to tell a story that didn't focus on the killer, but on the people that were trapped in the city with the Nazis and how somebody, how how that moment in history could allow somebody to do something like this and fly under the radar for so long. So the story is really more about the occupation, about Paris, about the detective and his son and the relationship that he has of trying to be a father and a detective at the same time. Like, working with multiple layers of difficulty like the nazis have really taken over the police station are kind of in control of your job but if you quit you just leave it all to the nazis so there's kind of this this deliberation of like i shouldn't just leave it to them but i also don't like them still trying to be a father um and now trying to solve the uh potential serial killer loose in paris which is also another another layer that he has to deal with Mm-hmm. And then there's the moral standard at the end of even testifying, you know, do I want to help the people that, you know, shun me or I mean, there's there's just there really is just so much more than there's nothing celebratory about this character at all. Uh, the end, the end courtroom scene, like he comes out and, you know, he it's, it's it really is pathetic as to how he was able to get, you know, the, the entire courtroom on his side. And um, it, it was uh, but, it, but by no means did I think that you were celebrating him or sensationalizing him in any way if anything you were just playing uh, more testament as to how d- depraved and just psychopathic he really was you know he, he wasn't even though he, his attitude was written to come off charming 
um, the, the, the way his body language was and the way he was drawn out and even just some of the, the even the way you scripted him, it, it's, you still knew that this was, despite that everybody else is on his side, this was not the, I don't know. It, it really is brilliant how you, how you made this guy just look like the asshole he really is without, like I said, making him, Oh, cool. The next big killer, you know, I don't know. It's, your intentions here were met 100%. I'll give you that. It's absolutely amazing. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so, uh, but uh, I mean, you, so you, you don't really have any uh, real interest in serial killers or anything like that. It's just a matter of, you know, you wanted to, to let people know that in this moment in history, uh, you, you, there was some real shit things going on that I, I don't know. It's, I love what you're actually getting to with this. Um, now, uh, you're, you're, I want to move on beyond Butcher of Paris because I've, I've gushed enough. Like this is, I'm, I'm living moments that I've been anticipating for like a year now. <laughs> I love this. Um, uh, you've got other ongoing stuff going on, stuff that I'm not quite as familiar with, like A Man Among You. I, I read the first issue. I did check that out, and uh, it's, it's. <laughs> I mean it let's talk about the other stuff you have going on now, or even the stuff that's in the works that you can talk about. Um, what, what is a man among you, your first image comic? Um, it's through top cow. Um, that is top. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was something that we brought to top cow kind of a long time ago. Uh, I was, um, years ago, a talent hunt winner at top cow. Um, I think before I had published anything and, um, yeah, it's, it kind of turned into like a really cool relationship with top cow and, um, they opened the door to like kind of pitch some things. And, uh, one of the other editors really took a liking to that story in particular. And yeah, that's how that story kind of came about. That's that's awesome. Um, I mean, it is uh, getting to write this type of story. I mean, it is a, uh, it is one hundred percent like just badass female empowerment. I mean, this chick is a hundred percent capable. I love watching her. Just her mannerisms, everything about her confidence. It's just a, in a situation where I mean, it's I mean they they, they state it right in the first issue. Like, what's a woman doing on a ship? And here she is, just running the hell out of things with uh <laughs> I, I love this character i think she's gonna be one to live on for for quite some time is this an ongoing then or is this a is this a mini series right now it's ongoing um i'm not entirely sure what the future for it holds um you know it would be awesome to continue making it uh we're in our second arc of it right now um and it's definitely a fun story to tell um so yeah hopefully we get to keep going right on Right on. Um, now, uh, I gotta ask. I mean, is there any uh, anything we could expect as far as announcements? I mean, obviously not the announcement itself, but I mean, you got any uh, anything special planned for New York Comic Con? Anything that the people uh, lining up can expect? Um, not particularly. I'll be doing a DC panel on Sweet. Thursday uh, with Josh Williamson and Philip Kennedy Johnson, and an aftershock panel Sunday. Um, so a couple of, uh, I think they released the panel schedule. I don't, I don't quite know it, but, um, I think, I think that's up on their website now. So I'll be at both of those, um, and hopefully talking a little bit more as well about, um, the new Amazon project that I just announced with Peter Krause called We Only Kill Each Other. Um, so we'll be 
kind of promoting that one at the event. Oh, I, I'm not familiar with this. We only kill each other. Peter, uh, right on. Now, what? this is coming out of Aftershock? Uh, no, it's coming out from Amazon. Amazon, uh, so it's, okay. Yep, it's a Comixology Originals. All it right. will be out November 16th, uh, the same day as Wonder Woman, actually. And uh, it's about Jewish gangsters pre-World War II um, who were kind of contracted by the U.S. government to... Uh, take on the Nazi movement that was happening in the U.S. and basically just go like beat up Nazis and try to get them to stop holding rallies in the New York streets. You really hate the Nazis. Uh, <laughs> I love as, it. As I think we should. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, there's not enough Nazi hate out there. You know, that, that's really like the one form of hate that there's just not enough of Nazi hate. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now, I, I, I'm... I, I love that I've I've got to have this conversation with you. Um, I, I I can't wait for the day that I actually get to walk up to your table. Um, I, I would imagine next con season I'm going to be hitting the circuit myself. And um, yeah, I, I can't wait to personally shake the hand of the person that's creating all of this stuff that I've enjoyed and I'm admiring so much. Um, Thank you. But before I let you go, though, I have there's something I, I haven't done in a while that I, I used to do back whenever but um i i gotta know just to kind of get into your head a little bit more as a creator before i let you go uh, i gotta know in your mind who is the best protagonist in all of comics not necessarily superhero but your favorite protagonist um i mean i think there's a reason batman has so much staying power and mm -hmm. has been like the gateway for so many people into comics uh, I don't know that that necessarily means he's always my favorite to write, um, but I think that he just holds so much uh, possibility and opportunity, and um, especially when you put him with other characters, I really love seeing him interact, or I guess I should say other characters interact with him, because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he's, you know, likes to be a bit of a loner, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's just like so universally recognized. Um, you know, a, a character that, you know, I can write a lot of characters for DC, but I think that's the one that my non-comic book family kind of latches onto, like, oh, crap, you did, you did stuff with Batman. Like, that is, I think, what non-comic book people also just really gravitate towards, and obviously comic book people keep coming back for it, which is why it's just such a big line at DC. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a great answer. And that, well, you know, I'm ashamed to say I wasn't, I didn't realize that you were doing legends of the dark Knight, um, or at least a, a couple issues of it uh, until I started preparing for this podcast. The fact that you're doing a penguin arc like that, I, I just cleared the next hour of my schedule after this <laughs> so that I could read this. Cause penguin that that's, that's my DC dude. As far as villains go, mm -hmm. like I, I think he's just the most, interesting lunatic out there and to, I, I cannot wait to see what you do with this character um but i mean on those same lines i mean do you have a favorite shithead in comics a favorite antagonist um yeah i don't know that he's he's shitty i think he ends up being someone that's really likable but i like i mean to an extent i like mr freeze i've always liked ah. his his motivations and um yeah, I think he he's super interesting. So um, I also just like him visually. Like, I think he's one of the coolest villains to get to, like, write in a script and see different artists take on him. Um, so I, I 
yeah, I definitely hope to do more with him outside of the Harley Quinn annual for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Um, I know they're kind of white bread questions, but I think it really does say a lot about, you know, you know, we're, you know what the creator's into. So I'm, <laughs> oh, I love those answers. Mr. Freeze, I got to say that one's a first. Batman. I mean, there's a reason why <laughs> Batman's Batman, you know, 80 yeah. years later. I mean, yes, he's obviously one of the greatest protagonists in all of comics. Um, but uh, Mr. Freeze is the antagonist. That, that, that's a new one to hear. And uh, I, <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, I, <laughs> Stephanie, this really has been an absolute pleasure. Um, this is a, a a bucket list interview for sure. You've broken ground. Now it's uh, now let the floodgates of other DC ongoing creators break through. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this is uh, for those of you or the, the listeners that um, don't know. I mean, do you have a uh, social media handles people can follow or they get to know you a little better? Uh, yeah, just Twitter uh, at Steph underscore smash. Right on. Right, just Twitter, not on Instagram? Um, I am, but I honestly don't know what my handle is. I gotcha. Have, <laughs> uh, like, it's linked to my Instagram, so I don't really sign into it all that often. <laughs> uh, no judgment. I don't know what my tw- or Instagram handle is either. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much once again. I know you creators are awfully busy. You've got Harley to write and new york comic-con to prepare for um but really once again thank you not just for coming on this podcast but for what you've done in comics and what it seems that you plan on doing and keep doing so just uh you're here you're on our radar um we we all appreciate you i speak amongst all of us (laughs) well thank you so much thanks for having me uh absolutely if there's ever any time that you want to chat about comics cheers to comics always has a uh, a mic open for you stephanie in the meantime you stay safe and uh We'll chat soon. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villain's Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. I'd like to remind you about a book that I've spoken highly of uh, in the past on this show before, and that's Unicorn Vampire Hunter. Uh, Kayla Palmquist has been on the show a couple of times now. And um, my my little seven-year-old, my seven-year-old girl, she is a massive fan of Unicorn Vampire Hunter. And guess what? Well, I'm sure you could guess. It's back. It's back on Kickstarter. So if you go on over to unicornvampirehunter.com, and uh, you're going to want to back this book, people, whether you have kids or not. <laughs> it's it's just a fun story. And, you know, I uh, normally would have Caleb on to talk about it, but... You know, scheduling stuff happened, and I wasn't gonna not uh, have this this book be spouted about from the rooftops. So, uh, yeah, metaphorically speaking, of course. So head on over to unicornvampirehunter.com and uh, find out what it's all about, man. Um, it's 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 all in the title. It's a thing of 
beauty. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I, it's one of those books that I, I can't not recommend. And especially if you've got youngsters, mine, mine, she's addicted. She's addicted. So once again, head on over to unicornvampirehunter.com and get you, uh, get you some of this Caleb Palmquist goodness. Well, there you have it. Another creator has been cornered. Episode 362 in the books. How about that, Stephanie Phillips, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's uh, just things that you don't say to... Uh, there's certain words that you don't use to describe certain characters to certain creators, you know? And, uh... <laughs> yeah, whoops. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, 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 she, she didn't leave on me, you know? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she didn't just get up and walk the hell out. Uh, but uh, we, we, we made it. We all made it. Uh, no, it really, beyond my little uh, kerfuffle um, with descriptive words there, uh, I, I really do think it was a, an incredible conversation. I had a blast. It was awesome being able to talk to a, a DC creator currently working on an ongoing DC title. It's just fun stuff, man. And, uh... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really am excited. You, you got to check out Harley Quinn, people. And she's she's doing fun stuff with the character. Doing a good job of developing the old, uh, the old, uh, yeah, I'm Harley Quinn. Because I don't, yeah. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Um, uh, I Remember to check out CheersToComics.com. And uh, if you're in the mood... To uh, buy some comics, you could always go to shopcheerstocomics.com. You know, when you're at cheerstocomics.com, don't think when you go to store you're just going to see a bunch of Cheers to Comics merchandise. You know, no, no. It's a comic book retail store, baby, so get all excited about that. And uh, that, that's just, that, there's even more exciting stuff to come there. I do recommend that if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel or a member of the Facebook group or you like the, the Cheers to Comics Facebook page, you need to do that because some live streaming is coming, baby. And it happens already, but I'm talking live sales. That's all, it's, 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 it's in the pipeline. It's coming soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, I'll talk to you the next time. There's things about comics to talk about. In the meantime, I command that you stay safe and uh, read responsibly. Cheers, you fuckers. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Podcast recommendations, you ask? 
Brian Wayne here, co-curator of The Apocalypse, And I know that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apocalypse. What is The Apocalypse? The Apocalypse is a culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcast the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think The Apocalypse, man. And it's ironic because The Apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, uh, role-playing, uh, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse with a D. Hmm. And do not forget to follow the Apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is the Apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, the Apocalypse is sure to have something for you.